Welcome to Dorothy's List, VPR's book club for kids, based on the books nominated for Vermont's Dorothy Canfield Fisher Award. This month, we've been reading Beyond the Bright Sea by Newbery Honor author Lauren Walk. For this episode, we visited a group of Dorothy's List readers at Burlington's Champlain Elementary School. Beyond the Bright Sea takes place in 1925 on a string of small islands called the Elizabeths off the coast of Woods Hole, Massachusetts. The novel is a work of historical fiction, but it is mystery and suspense that grabbed and held the attention of this group of readers at Champlain Elementary School. Honestly, when I picked the book up, I couldn't put it back down. That's fourth grader Elliot Troop, and fifth grader Lisa Zoe Hackett agrees. Who's probably one of my favorites. Fifth grader Marina Tuhig said she and her friends liked guessing what might come next. There were all of these mysteries that I feel like you should have solved before you got to the end of the book. And then a few people I know that got some of those mysteries correct and guessed right. I think it was really fun trying to be the one trying to solve the mystery. The book's narrator is a girl with an unusual name and an obscure history. Here's author Lauren Wolk reading the prologue, where we meet the point-of-view character. My name is Crow. When I was a baby, someone tucked me into an old boat and pushed me out to sea. I washed up on a tiny island like a seed riding the tide. It was Osh who found me and took me in who taught me how to put down roots and thrive on both sun and rain and understand what it is to bloom. The island where we found each other was small but strong, anchored by a great pile of black rock that sheltered our cottage, a ramshackle place built from bits of lost ships, nestled on a bed of earth and sea muck, alongside a small garden and the skiff that took us wherever our feet could not. We didn't need anything else not in the beginning. At low tide, we could cross easily to the next island, Cuddyhunk, through shallows strewn with bootlace weed and minnows. At high tide, the cottage sat so close to the risen sea that it felt nearly like a boat itself. For a long time, I was happiest when the water rose and set us apart, on our own, so just the two of us decided everything there was to decide. And then... One night when I was twelve, I saw a fire burning on Penikees, the island where no one ever went, and I decided on my own that it was time to find out where I'd come from and why I'd been sent away. But I didn't understand what I was risking until I nearly lost it. In the book, there's a small community on Cuddyhunk, and among the residents is a farmer and herbalist named Miss Maggie, who tutors Crow and takes care of her when she's sick. Everyone else on Cuddyhunk keeps their distance from Crow, although she doesn't understand why. Crow wants to find out where she came from and why she was shipped away when she was just hours old. She's also starting to wonder why she looks different from the people around her and just why everyone seems to be afraid of her. She thinks her answers may lie on Penikees, a nearby island with nothing but an abandoned hospital complex. These Champlain Elementary students are looking for some answers, too. They have a lot of questions for the author about her writing process, the book, and its memorable characters. We put their questions to author Lauren Walk. Our first question comes from fifth grader Jesse Fitzgerald. I was wondering 
why you chose to have this book take place in the 1920s? Jesse, that's a great question, and I wish I knew the answer, but I think I was born old. I'm really fascinated with things that happened long before my time. When I was a little kid, I would go with my mother to antique shops. I always wanted a spinning wheel or something for Christmas instead of a bike. I love history. I love, I love the way people lived in a simpler time. And Walk says she wanted to set the book in a time and place where people relied heavily on the ocean. The ocean really lured me into this book. It, I live near the sea. It's all around me. So I really wanted to set this book where the land and the ocean meet. And beyond that, I wanted it to be set in a time when people lived very close to nature, when the ocean for Crow and for Ash and the other characters in the book was like a member of their family and where their very survival depended on the relationship they had with the ocean. So that's what helped me to decide where and when to place the book. Fifth grader Katie Sumner was looking for a little advice on just how to start a story. How did you know where to start the book? Every time, like, my teachers or something asked me, like, to write a book or something, I never know where to start. It seemed like a really good place to start. Wolk says her process starts long before she writes her first sentence. For me, how I start really involves spending some time thinking, putting myself in the place where I want to set the book, living there in my mind, listening and watching. And and when a character arises like Crow did, and I see her, a baby in a little skiff on a beach, crying and crying until she's hoarse and sounds like a crow, I am transported to that place. The beginning of it is a single sentence. And it usually comes to me when I'm in the shower or gardening, never when I'm sitting at the computer, never when I have a pen in my hand. And that's good. It comes to me when I'm just immersed in that world I've begun to create in my head. That first line just comes. And once it does, the second line comes a little easier. And after that, the third line. So for me, it's not a matter of how am I going to write 400 pages? It's a matter of what's my first line. And that's like opening a door, a crack. And then I push it further and further and further open until I'm inside the story. Once she's tackled the beginning, fifth grader Keats Overman Smith wondered how the author proceeds. How did this book develop? Like, was it planned out beforehand, or did it slowly evolve over time and then loop back over itself? Wow, Keats, that's a great, great question. And I love the way you put it. You have a way with words. So I really don't want to know where I'm going when I began. It's interesting the way you put the question, though. Things do loop back on themselves. So when I notice something happening in a book, and often it's it's a surprise to me, when I, when I notice certain connections being made between the characters or certain patterns revealing themselves, I might decide to develop that, which means going back to the beginning and starting a little differently, revising the beginning so that it leads into what I've encountered in the middle. It's definitely not a linear process, and it's definitely not something I can predict or or want to predict. And Keats says that's the way he prefers to write, too. If you were writing a book, what would you do? Mm, I'd just let it evolve and then try to connect it back to previous events. But it's a little harder that way. These readers at Champlain Elementary School were curious about some mysteries that were never revealed in the book. They wanted to know more about the characters' backstories, their full names, and where they came from. 
But author Lauren Wolk says her knowledge is limited to that of her point of view character. When I write a book, well, this is true of Beyond the Bright Sea, at least, and my other book, Wolf Hollow, I am writing in the first person. So I see the world through one set of eyes, Crow's eyes. I experience everything in the book as she does. I can't know what she doesn't know, which is which is really great because there are mysteries even for me who wrote the book. That said, there is one character Wolk had to imagine a background for. In the book, we learn that Osh, the man who rescues Crow as a newborn baby, has an accent. Before the book was published, the creators of the audiobook version wanted to know what kind of accent to give Osh. And I said, well, I don't know. I mean, I know what he sounds like in my head, but I don't know his backstory enough. And they said, well, we, we need to know. So I told them what I thought, which was that he probably came from Eastern Europe, maybe the Ukraine, uh, because at that time, the world was full of places like like the Ukraine, like Turkey, um, that were were filled with strife and violence and discord and heartbreak. And so I imagined that he came from a place like that and ended up in an unlikely place, Cuddy Hunk, um, because he sought refuge from that world. So you'd have to ask Osh where he comes from, but I'm pretty sure it's from that part of the world. And our last question comes from fifth grader Sienna Demink, who wanted to know... Do you know if there's going to be a sequel or a movie? Wilkes' answer? Yes, and hopefully yes. I do plan to write a sequel. I think my next book, I have one coming out next year that is uninvolved with with what I've written before. But after that, I think I'm going to write a sequel to Wolf Hollow. And after that, perhaps a sequel to Beyond the Bright Sea, because I want Crow to go on with her adventures. There is talk of a movie, and the talks are progressing nicely. But I can't say anything more about that right now, uh, except that I hope that there is a film eventually. I think it would be a really exciting project to work on. Readers will have to wait for more details on those projects. Consider them another set of mysteries yet to be worked out. The book is Beyond the Bright Sea by Lauren Wolk, and special thanks to Champlain Elementary School teacher librarian Susan Ames. Next time, we're reading The First Rule of Punk by debut novelist Celia Perez. Ask your librarian for a copy so you can read along.